Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will discuss the question, Who is the Antichrist? We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland in the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music. i 
Who is the Antichrist? We will discuss this question tonight with Elder Ray Ricardo. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Let's now call Elder Ricardo and see if he's available. Hello. Hello, good evening, Elder Ricardo. You are live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you this evening, Elder Ricardo? I'm fine, thank you, John. I praise the Lord. Good. Well, Elder Ricardo, tonight we will be discussing these questions together. When is the word Antichrist first used in the Bible? What does the word Antichrist mean? Who does the Bible say is the Antichrist? Does the Antichrist honour or rebel against God's law? And what other identifying marks are given about the Antichrist? So, Elder Ricardo, before we start, shall we have a word of prayer this evening, please? Absolutely. Our Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity that we have to come together to discuss such a vital topic. Lord, I know that this can be controversial for some. But I know that all who love you and cherish you will rejoice in hearing the message. So please bless us now, we pray, and give us, I ask, dear God, a tender heart and words from on high. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Elder Ricardo, when is the word Antichrist first used in the Bible? Well, you find that first used in First John uh, chapter two and verse eighteen. Uh, yes. John, this is where you first find it, and, and it's very interesting in the epistles of John. 
uh, he mentions it several times. Um, And uh, so it was a very important issue in John's day. But let's read it here. Let's let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And we're looking now at verse 18. Uh, Little children, it is the last time, meaning it's the last days. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And it's very fascinating the way he uses this uh, the concept of Antichrist. You've heard, he says, you know, he said, look, little children, he says, I want to let you know it's we're living in the last days. Yes. Um, and he said, uh, and you've heard that Antichrist will come. He says, I want to tell you this right now. There are many Antichrists. And he said, by this, you, you may know and understand that we are in the last days. So in other words, how can there be an Antichrist and then many Antichrists? And what he's indicating there is very clearly is that when the Bible speaks of the Antichrist, uh, he's speaking of a specific power. But when he says there are many, many Antichrists, what he means is that there are many who are embracing the spirit and and the philosophy of the the Antichrist, whereby they then uh, take on its spirit. And in so doing, they become uh, an Antichrist, not the, but an Antichrist. Um, You know, so it's uh, like, for example, if someone were to embrace the ideology of uh, of nazism um today well they wouldn't be uh a a a, um a a member of the nazi party from the 1930s and 40s obviously but they would still embrace its spirit yes their their philosophy in that constant that idea so that's what he's talking about so this is where you first find the mention of the word antichrist yes Thank you, Elder Ricardo. Now, Elder Ricardo, what does the word Antichrist mean? You know, this is a, one of the a really good questions. People have often asked this question when we get to the subject of the Antichrist. You know, what exactly does it mean? How do we understand it? Well, if we look at it from uh, uh, in, in its uh, open, proper uh, setting of this word, obviously, when you look at anti. Anti is something that's against, uh, and of course it, it's attached to Christ, so it's against Christ. But um, the deeper meaning, in the truer sense, it actually means in the place of, in other substitution for. In yes. other words, the Antichrist is opposed to Jesus Christ. There's no question about that. But uh, the means by which he achieves that objective is rather uh, sinister. Yes, instead of instead of openly um, opposing Jesus Christ, instead he clothes himself in the garb of Christ and sits in the place of Christ. Meaning, uh, he counterfeits. He 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 uh, he acts as if he is uh, a representative. Uh, of Christ in that way. If you go to within your Bibles, and this is really the the chapter that defines uh, not only some aspects of the characteristics of Antichrist, yes. but also uh, what does Antichrist actually mean. This is found in Second Thessalonians, chapter two, 
Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. And if you look here with me, um, uh, verse three, actually, um, well, let's go to verse one. Actually, let's set the stage here. It says, no. this is Paul speaking. He says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor word, nor by letter as from us. That's a, that implies a counterfeit letter that the day of Christ is at hand. In other words, I don't want you to be burdened or concerned about things that you're hearing. Yes. As if we have made these things, he says, we're not. He says, I want to tell you something right now. Speaking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, meaning the second coming of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. So there has to be that falling away means apostasy, a falling away. Yes. And that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So in order for Jesus Christ to come, it is imperative that two things must happen. There has to be an apostasy within the Christian religion of falling away. And number two, the man of sin or the son of perdition, the Antichrist, must be revealed, must be exposed yes. and appear. And, number, and then in verse four, and here's the definition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So here's the anti this is the, he opposes Christ. Yes. So this is the word where you get the word anti-Christ, but notice the means by which he, he achieves it. So that he as God, not that he is God, but he pretends to be God, sits in the temple of God. And the temple of God there is referring to the church. So he clothes himself in Christianity, showing himself that he is God or presenting himself as if he is God on this earth. And so he sits in the place of God. In other words, he usurps the role of God on this earth and receives the adoration that, that should be given to Christ uh, and that people bestow upon him. And yes. so this means in the place of, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, clearly define not only the meaning of the word, but the means by which he will achieve that objective. Yes, yes. Well, Elder Ricardo, I um, have got nothing to add to that, really, because you've made it plain to the people from the Scriptures. It's right there before us, you see. And so, well, I think we can really quite simply now move on to who does the Bible say is the Antichrist? Now, this is very fascinating, once again, because this is really the question above all questions. I mean, we can talk about many aspects of the Antichrist, and we will as we continue on in our study. But yes. the fundamental question comes down to who is it? And, you know, this question has plagued many for, for centuries. Um, but uh, you will find uh, uh, throughout uh, Christendom, the history of the church, where God's people have identified the Antichrist. In other words, you can look for the writings through the writings of the great Protestant reformers, for example, yes. Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, John Knox, uh, Thomas Cramner, Roger Williams, uh, John Wesley, Spurgeon. And this is, you know, and, and these are just a list of a few yes. who uh, uh, all identified uh, the Antichrist. 
Um, and in their position, uh, based on the biblical research that they did and presented, and you can, by the way, for the listeners, you can quickly research this online. Uh, it's it's a, a, a place there for everyone to read uh, the uh, historical documents uh, that are preserved and recorded uh, based on what the reformers thought and said about the Antichrist. And one of the things I want to make very clear uh, that is often misunderstood regarding the nature of the Antichrist, first of all, when the Bible speaks of Antichrist, um, the first and foremost, it's speaking of a system, not necessarily a person, although we'll get into that in a second, but the issue is more so about a system that is operating Yes. In the guise of Christianity, uh, as we just read out of Second Thessalonians, it pretends to be Christian, but ultimately, in the end, it's anti or against and opposed to Christ, and it does that by by uh, by by really substituting itself in the place of Christ, um, and uh, so this system, uh, the Bible clearly identifies as the Church of Rome. There's no question about that, and uh, the Bible is very clear. Uh, the identifying marks are all laid out in Scripture. Um, but uh, let me read to you a statement. This is from Martin Luther, yes. and uh, this comes from his uh, the First Principles, uh, uh, page 196 and 197. This is Martin Luther. This was his statement, and, and there are many, by the way, but this is just one. He says, nothing else than the kingdom of Babylon and the very Antichrist. For who is the man of sin, the son of perdition, but he who by his teaching and his ordinances increases the sin and perdition of souls in the church, while he yet sits in the church as if he were God. Oh, and by the way, you can see who, who, what verse he's quoting, don't you? In other yes. words, what he's referring to. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. So he's, he's making that reference. Now, and he says this. All these conditions, meaning identify marks, have now for many ages been fulfilled by the papal tyranny. That's the end of quote. And that's Dr. Martin or uh, Dr. Martin Luther. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther. Yes. So you see that the, that the great Protestant reformer, uh, clearly laid this out, as I said, many others as well. Yes. And I'd like to say, listeners, you see, if you follow this study that we're having this evening and you align it with the Bible study we had a few weeks ago about does the Bible reveal a global conspiracy? And again, mm. we had spoken about the same power that the Bible outlines is what's the power that Satan's using to lead out in his global conspiracy against the law of God, you see? And so we can see as we study these separate subjects, the pattern emerging, basically. And again, we're not speaking about, we're not judging people. We're looking at the no. system that God is outlining, the system that sadly that Satan is using to deceive people into rebelling against God. And mm. so we'd just like to state that. So... Now, I um, I think that Elder, again, I would just like to state um, what Elder Brady Ricardo has shared that the understanding from the Bible that the papacy is the Antichrist is not a new one. 
you see, and that the Protestant reformers, Wiley, Knox, Latimer, Calvin, Luther and Wesley, as notable examples, they were all guided by the Spirit of God to come to this conclusion. And they came to this conclusion based upon the biblical evidence, evidence that we've just shared today, and the historical incidents that they witnessed as contemporaries. See, and the teachings and spirit that they had seen carried out and practiced in the Roman Catholic Church harmonized with the identified marks of the Antichrist system foretold in Scripture. And we'll be looking at this more in a minute. So, now, does the Antichrist honor or rebel against God's law, Elder DeCarno? Mm, again, another classic uh, uh, um, uh, issue regarding the nature of the Antichrist. Uh, you know, let me say this uh, just to dovetail uh, uh, just into what you just said previously. Yes. Uh, one of the things that you could, if you did some, if people would just do a little research, you'll find even long before uh, the reformers, people like the Waldensians, yes. the Huguenots, uh, the Albigenses, and others uh, during the uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th centuries and so forth. Uh, all of those groups, uh, uh, the Hussites, for example, as well, they all identified uh, the papal power as the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. And again, and we emphasize the fact that it's a system. It's not yes. the people. That's not the people at all. Um, God has his people everywhere. And God judges us uh, based on the light that we receive and know and understand. Remember, it's not what you don't know that condemns you. It's what you do know that you refuse to follow and obey. And there's a big, big difference. Uh, just so, but yes, John, I, I appreciated that comment uh, uh, that you made. So the question you're asking now, again, in relation to Antichrist, and really what you're doing is asking about another identifying mark, yes. you know, who, as to who. So does he rebel or, or honor the law of God? Well, let's go to the Daniel chapter 7, and this is an identifying mark to the Antichrist of Bible prophecy, or at least one among many. But we're looking at Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter 7, and in this chapter, you're going to find the, tw uh, the 25th verse, speaking of the little horn, uh, who is the Antichrist, the Bible prophecy. And by the way, just very interesting, you'll find throughout Scripture, yes. in the Old Testament as well as the New, when describing the Antichrist, it's described in, in various ways, such as in Daniel 7, the little horn. You find in Revelation 13, a composite beast. Yes. You find in Revelation 18, it's called Babylon, the mother of harlots. Uh, and you can go down the list of the various ways in which prophets and, 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 uh, and various um, uh, apostles have described Antichrist. In other words, they, why didn't they just say, this is the Antichrist? No, they all use the same word, the same meaning, definition, etc. And the reason is that when you compile all of these um, characteristics and identify marks regarding the nature of the Antichrist, it broadens the picture as to the identity. In yes. other words, let's assume for the sake of the argument, we're witnessing an accident. And there's an unfortunate accident that occurs. And we have four people witnessing it from four different directions, north, south, east, and west. And if you were to ask those people what they saw. Uh, they would each give you a, a, a general description of what occurred, and they would all be in agreement. 
but they would see specific details different than the others because of the positions that they occupied in relation to the accident. But if you were to put all four accounts together with the general knowledge and the specific details, you would get a fuller picture of what actually occurred. And this is what the Bible is doing. You're not getting a narrow vision regarding the nature and identity of the Antichrist. You're getting a fuller picture. And thus, this enhances your understanding and clarity so that when you come to the issue of identifying the Antichrist, you're not guessing. It's not a matter of, you know, well, this is what I think. I'm pretty sure. No, this is a emphatic uh, uh, issue uh, that is uh, leaves no room for doubt. And so this is why God does that. So let's go to Daniel 7, 25, and this is an identifying mark, uh, speaking of the Antichrist. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. By the way, the speaking great words indicates blasphemy, sacrilegious behavior towards God, um, and wear out the saints of the Most High. And that's another old English way of describing persecution. So he has a history of persecuting the saints. But notice what it says now, and think to change times and laws. And so, in other words, the little horn power presumes to take upon itself a prerogative that belongs only to God, whereby it believes it can change times and and the law of God itself. Uh, And so uh, this is very interesting the way the Bible describes this. He thinks he can do this. Now, what's fascinating, if you'll underscore that, and then you go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I want to show you something here to our readers. Matthew chapter 5. So the key word here is uh, think. So this is the operative word we're looking at. Think to to change times and laws. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Now, now we have the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is Jesus speaking now. All right, so we've got to figure out who we're going to follow, Jesus or the Antichrist. So the Antichrist thinks it has the prerogative to change God's law. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, notice again, what does Jesus, he says, I don't want you to think that I came to do this. Don't think or presume to think that the law of God can be changed. But what does the little horn think in Daniel chapter 7? He actually thinks he can do it. Yet Christ says, no, you can't. Now, go on to verse 18. He says, for verily or truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot of tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Yes. Now, what's fascinating, and I want our listeners to listen very carefully, listen very carefully to verse 19 and 20. He says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, someone goes around and thinks they can break the law of God and then teach men that it's okay and it's appropriate to do so. God says they are they are considered least in the kingdom of heaven, meaning in the eyes of God, they are not considered uh, holy or sacred in regard to that issue, and therefore they are least in this regard. Then he goes on and said, but whosoever shall do 
meaning whosoever shall do the commandments, preserve and keep the commandments, and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the, right, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, why does he bring up the Pharisees in relation to the idea of someone thinking to change the law of God? Because the Pharisees only had an external righteousness. The man of sin only has a profession of Christianity. He professes to be a godly, but like the Pharisees, inwardly, they were full of dead man bones. And so the man of sin is full of dead man bones. It is a spiritless institution uh, that has not the spirit of Christ, but rather the spirit of Antichrist. This is why it is Antichrist, because, again, we're dealing with a system. And so he, this system is, uh, uh, is an enemy of the law of God. Yes. Yes. Elder Ricardo, thank you for bringing out this point so clearly before the people. And now we've looked at some identified marks by Elder Ricardo. What other identified marks are given about the Antichrist? Because as you mentioned, the Lord has painted a broad picture of the system in Scripture. Now, John, I'll tell you this. I I have looked at, and, I, and, and so have others uh, along the way, as regarding how many identified marks there are yes. regarding the nature of the Antichrist. And there are dozens, dozens. But for the sake of time, obviously, we need yes. to just uh, help our listeners understand where they can find the, the most of them. In other words, in the quickest way. And I say this to you, listeners, uh, Daniel chapter 7. Uh, if you will study carefully that chapter, you will find identifying mark after identifying mark regarding the nature of the Antichrist. There's no question about it. And let me just give a few. And we're in, in, in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel, for example, in Daniel 7 verse 8, speaking of the little horn, he shall come up among them. Uh, he shall come up among the ten horns. This is meaning geographical location. Yes. Um, and so the ten horns representing Western Europe, the, the Germanic tribes, uh, you know, the, the Franks and the Alamanni, the Huns, or not the Huns, but the, um, uh, the Visigoths, the, the Lombards, the Suevi, the, the Anglo-Saxons, etc. Yes. So these are the these are the ten horns described in Daniel chapter seven. But he comes up from among them, and then Daniel seven twenty four it speaks of he will come up after the ten horns. So this is not dealing with geography. Now it's dealing with chronology. So when yes. does he appear? We know where, but where, where? But what about when? Well, we know that the ten horns appeared uh, in terms of the time frame of sometime you know around. Uh, 476 AD. This is, of course, yes. referring to the fall of the Western Roman Empire. So we know that he must come up sometime after that. Then Daniel 7.24 again continues on with identifying marks. It talks about he's diverse than all the powers before. Well, what does it mean he's different? Well, the other powers referring to the Ten Horns are strictly political institutions. But we know, according to Daniel, uh, Revelation, excuse me, 13, verse 4, and 17, verses 2 and 3, we know that the Antichrist is a religio-political power. It's a church and a state. 
Yes. So this is a very interesting identifying mark, a religio power. Uh, and so it's a diverse power, Daniel 7.24. Daniel 7.25, again, we talked about the thing to change times and laws, but it also says he will reign as a religio-political power for time, times, and a dividing of time. We know that to be 1260 years, yes. from 538 to 1798. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, it says a, a man shall be at the head of this, of this uh, institution. Uh, meaning, uh, meaning a succession of men, meaning someone would represent this institution, this system worldwide. And that's what it's referring to. And so you have an institution represented by an individual who heads up that institution. Daniel 7.20, he would be stout, meaning superior to the rest of his, his colleagues. And also it, it refers to the fact that he would be a, a, a boastful power. Uh, in that way. Um, again, we just talked about in Daniel 7, 25, yes. uh, it talks about how he would speak blasphemies. Um, uh, another one in Daniel 7, 25, we just talked about think to change times and law. Well, again, we just referred to Daniel 7, 25 previously, he shall persecute the saints. Um, and, and, uh, and there's so many other identifying marks uh, so many identify Mark. I could give on. I could go on and on. Yes. Uh, just just to show you something in the book of Revelation, Revelation seventeen, verse eighteen, and then verse nine. We know that the woman in Bible prophecy represents a church. And what's interesting in this relationship of Daniel, uh, Rev, excuse me, Revelation seventeen, here it talks about a woman occupying a city, sitting on seven mountains. So it occupies a city on seven hills. Yes. And the Church of Rome is known as the city of it sits on seven hills. Uh, so all these identifying marks and many, many more clearly indicate there's only one power in the history of mankind that could ident- uh, 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 fulfill all these identifying marks. Yes. And again, we're stressing the system, not the people. Very clear. And uh, and uh, the word of God is very certain about these things. Yes. Well, listeners, as you've heard for yourself, the Bible gives clear identifying marks of who this system is, when it came into power, what its work was. And there's, you know, as the elder Declado has said, it's simply a matter for you to take your Bible and to study it for yourselves studied daniel chapter 7 as he had said and in the book of revelation the bible references that is given so we're going to have a break now for some music and we'll come back and have some final thoughts You give 
who is the Antichrist? Are they ready, Carlo? Can we have some closing thoughts this evening about this subject? Well, when you look at this um, subject as the, of the Antichrist, as I said, you know, this can be a controversial one uh, to some, I have no doubt. But I think when you look at the nature in which God reveals these things, it is because he's, he loves us very much and doesn't want any of us to be led astray. You see, in Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 4, there's a wonderful message that says, Come out of her, my people. God is inviting and, and pleading with the, his children to come out of the Babylonian system of, of false religion and confusion of, of doctrines. And, uh, and so you see that really when God is revealing these things, it's out of love. It's not out of uh, uh, a petty uh, argument or somehow in which God is trying to condemn people for not knowing these things. He's trying to help each one of us to understand that he loves us and that uh, when he reveals these things, he's revealing a system of confusion so that we can come out of that confusion and be brought into the light of the truth of the gospel. And there's nothing like finding the peace and joy and happiness that comes by knowing what God says in his word. And so when you look at this issue, it reassures me that the word of God stands true, that his word can be relied upon, and that we can trust in his love, because truly this is a message of love and concern. And uh, I appeal to everyone who hears us today to heed the message of the fourth angel of Revelation 18. Come out of her, my people. Amen. Elder DeCardo, shall we have a word of closing prayer this evening? Mm. Our Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to pour forth our petitions to cast all our cares upon you because you do care for us. And through Christ our Lord, I pray you'll forgive us where we've let you down and help us each one to have an understanding heart and to see things not as we'd like to see them, but as you see them and know them. Please, dear God, help us to understand this wonderful topic. I know it's a challenging subject, but God, give us the grace and strength to not only know, but to do your will. And so bless us and keep us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder DiCardo, thank you for joining us this evening on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07944062786. If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you a free tract called The Antichrist. Those who are living outside the UK can request for an electronic version to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 44, you will find the subject, A Remarkable Symbol. This chapter will give you more information about today's topic. On next week's show, we will continue to discuss the subject, who is the Antichrist. Well, that's it for tonight's show. 
Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.